from iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, episode 251. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. Today, we have a super stacked show. We're talking all about WCW Halloween Havoc 1997. So you knew I had to bring some guests with me. I got representing the Wrestling Index, my boy, TK, Tim King. Thanks again for joining, man. Yo, bro, it's a pleasure. Two times in two weeks, I get to hear that hot theme song on the way in. Thanks for having me back, brother. Glad to be here. No doubt, man. I appreciate you. We're going to be joined a little later by Dan Bakley from Cage My IQ. I know he was really excited to talk about the show. He'll be joining us a little later. But before we get into the show, got to give a big shout out to my sponsors at threefallsbrand.com. Best rock and wrestling merchandise on the planet. Let me show you what they do over at Three Falls. Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. 
Check us out at threefallsbrand.com and on Instagram at threefallsbrand. Also, big shout out to my sponsors at manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code DeLorean for 20% off site-wide. No matter what it is on the site, you could get 20% off. That is going to be running for the next couple months now, so make sure you take advantage of 20% off manscaped.com, promo code DeLorean. Ah, man, I've been waiting to get I to will, the show. I will, I will tell you. I'll tell you, I got one. It's a hell of a product, dude. So definitely use that promo code, man. So get on that. Appreciate sure. it. Yeah, most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. They got some good quality stuff. I mean, us men got to take do. care of ourselves. You know what I mean? Definitely got to take care of ourselves. Yeah. But, yeah, you Absolutely. know, we got a big show. We're talking about WCW. Halloween Havoc, in my opinion, has probably the best match in WCW history on it. I know I got a lot of shit when uh, Circle Debate did top five Rey Mysterio moments. And I said Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero was the greatest WCW match of all time. And I got a lot of people in the comments being like, oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're wildin'. Oh, I, did you even watch WCW? I'll say this right now. After watching this matchup again, we'll talk about it when we get there, but my opinion stands. My opinion stands. That is a five-star classic, and I can't think of any WCW match that even, I could say comes close, but nothing's topping it. For sure nothing's topping it, in my opinion. Damn, bro. I don't know. I really have to go back in my WCW history and, and really think about that. But this match was awesome. It was definitely the, the highlight of the night. There was some good on the show, some bad. But to me, it was the highlight of the night. The the, the transitions be, between their moveset. Uh, Eddie hit this backbreaker. All these Kirk and Ranas that they were pulling yeah. off to the outside. Like, you just didn't, you didn't see this stuff. And Ray was so athletic. Like, you know, Ray can still... So now, yeah, you know, I was saying that on the show the other day. I'm yeah. not the biggest Rey Mysterio fan, but damn, dude, this version of Rey Mysterio again reminded me of why I loved him, dude. He is phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. In the chats already, we got my boy Dom. The intro is fire. I appreciate you. What's good, Dom? Got the Pro Wrestling Podcast. What's good? Yeehaw. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about WCW Halloween Havoc 1997. Live from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Definitely was a big show. Um, on the call, we had Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and Dusty Rhodes, which I always loved. I always thought that made a great uh, trio commentary team for the pay-per-views, especially Dusty. Dusty with his one-liners. Like, man, the man was great on commentary. People don't give him the respect that he deserves on commentary. I always loved Dusty. Dude, I was laughing. It's in my notes. I said Dusty was uh, incredible on the show, especially during the DDP Savage match. He had me oh, fucking yeah. cracking up, dude. <laughs> no, for sure. You know, um, I remember Dusty. This is like nothing to do with WCW, but like one of my favorite commentary moments for Dusty was um, he was doing FCW, and there was a match between Colcabana and Sim Bodie, and he was co- pure comedy on commentary. It was insane. Um, I believe at the time, Simbodi was going by the name Carnival Freak Simbodi. And he was just telling the okay. story about how, how do you bring home, uh, if that's your boyfriend, how do you bring him home to the parents and meet my boyfriend, the Carnival Freak, and just going crazy. Like, go check out that matchup just for the commentary by Dusty Rhodes because it's a pure <laughs> classic, man. Dom says Dusty one of my favorite pictures period, of all time. Oh, yeah. Like, in the ring, on the mic, commentary. Like CM Punk says, no one could touch him. I mean, Dusty was pretty untouchable. I was for that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty untouchable. <laughs> Bobby Heenan, the best heel commentator. 
definitely a great heel commentator, but definitely showed a lot of uh, baby face on this too because Bobby Heenan was definitely I, team I was just WCW. Yes, Bobby was early Bobby, WWF Bobby, early WCW Bobby. Anti-Hogan Bobby is definitely the yeah. best heel comment- commentator ever. But Bobby, once Hogan turned, and he, even when Hogan turned, Bobby preluded it when he said, who is he here to help? You know, yeah. so Bobby was always like seeing it. And then once the NWO got there, Bobby was still the heel commentator for WCW stuff. And he was always still riding the four horsemen and they were heel a lot of times. But yeah, he would always be kind of leaning face when it was WCW NWO 100. Yeah. He hated the NWO, especially in Hogan matches. It was always I told you so. All these years, I told you Hogan was a scumbag, and now you're finally yep. seeing it, which I, I definitely yep. love. But let, let's get into this first matchup. We have a matchup that I was really looking forward to when it was announced on Nitro. We have Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono versus the Ultimate Dragon. This was stiff as fuck. They beat the shit out of each other, especially Yuji Nagata with his stiff kicks. It was nasty. Yep. Uh, they definitely brought that Japanese strong style to the States for this night. What did you think about this? Dude, I loved it, man. It was it was fast-paced, quick-hitting, uh, hard-striking. I, I I thought that Ultimo Dragon was going to get the win, so when they had the transition at the end, you know, he sold the arm the whole match. Yuji Nagata worked on the arm, and then when Ultimo Dragon went to put the Dragon Sleeper on with the arm that he had been working on, Quick transition into the arm bar, bar in an instant tap out. Yeah. I love that transitional spot right there. And I love that, you know, Yuji Nagata was here. And we've seen him on Nitro when we just talked. Uh, I think it was this past Monday, actually, a week ago. So cool stuff that I got yeah. to see him again wrestle this match for this pay-per-view. I dug it, brother. Now, yeah, definitely. Yuji Nagata was so vicious in these early days, man. And that Fujiwawa arm bar he put in was very tight. Like, if you saw the cor- the the way that his arm was, like, bent up was insane so i can understand why ultimo dragon would tap out almost instantly and then afterwards he had the post-match beat down beat down with sunny ono with his uh i guess like karate kick onto um ultimo dragon so definitely you know i I could see this feud going on and continuing but good stuff to start off the show i thought that it was a pretty good way to start it off and you know if you thought that the if you thought that the new japan talents was done there we got Gato versus Chris Jericho here as a surprise on the show. Not even talked about. It wasn't even announced. It was just a surprise. Um, I believe they mentioned here that Gato and uh, Chris Jericho, they, they were a tag team for a short period of time in uh, war, wrestle and romance, that promotion in Japan in the 90s. They were a tag team. And it's just interesting now to see where Gato is. He's the head booker of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Chris Jericho, who made his return to New Japan uh couple years ago now we see new japan and AEW working together and chris jericho work with new japan stars still to this day so i thought that this matchup was pretty cool just to see because we know everything that goes on nowadays with the whole forbidden door so definitely a cool matchup dude i dug it and i got really excited for bakley because i was like damn bakley loves this guy so <laughs> fucking he's gonna be hyping hard so i can't wait to hear what he has to say about it but yeah. overall, the match, I thought it was really good. I learned a bunch of stuff from, like, Tanae during it, like you just said. Yeah. That these guys used to be tag team partners. They had no idea. And then he was kind of, like, deep diving into what the J-Crown, I think that's what Ultimate Dragon held, and there was the eight championships and how Gato had just had one of them and how he was just in the finals. Uh, yeah. He just wrestled six um, the past year, and I was like, dope, dude. Like, Gato's been around, like, back then. Like, he had that much of a significant yeah. role. I thought that was really cool to learn. 
and young Jared. And almost unrecognizable too. Like if you see how he looked now and then compared back then, almost unrecognizable for sure. <laughs> yeah, like a fat, chubby face with blonde hair. Blonde. Yeah, he kind of looked like yellow crop top. In, uh, Kai and Kai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Most but definitely. yeah, overall, I don't. I had a lot of fun with it, and most of all, I learned from Mike Tanay during it, which I really appreciated. So I was like, damn, man, I, I want to go back and watch more because I probably see a lot of these guys uh, back yeah. around this time. I'm sure you're seeing it right now. Yeah, you know, Mike Tanay was gold also on the commentary team. I love when they would bring him in for some of the matches from uh, the Japanese stars and the next match with the Cruiserweights because he was able to tell that history that a lot of the casual fans wouldn't really understand. He's such a great mind for wrestling, and that's someone who I really miss. Like, Mike Tanay is someone who brought so much to matches. I thought his TNA run as lead uh, play-by-play guy was phenomenal as well. And, yeah, I would love if there's, like, one day, like, even if it's for one show, whether it's WWE or even Impact Wrestling, just to bring him on, I would love to hear Mike Tanay call a match just one more time because the guy was, what his name said, he was the professor of wrestling. And it was so knowledgeable about every fucking culture of wrestling. It was so cool to see. Yeah, man, that was great to listen to. Most definitely. Like, he he was just amazing at his job, man. Dom says the match was almost on the same level as Ray and Eddie. For sure. You know, maybe I talked too soon when I said no match came close to that match because <laughs> we had a match that was on the, almost on the same level. Shout out, Nick, the Monday night. DeLorean. What up, Nick? What's, what's good, man? Dom says the, pro- the professor was so good at giving you details on luchadors and overseas talent. They could use him in AEW. I mean, they definitely could. I, I know Excalibur is basically like the Professor Junior. Like, he, he gives a lot of that history. It's just that Mike Tanay has a way of delivering it where it's a little bit more, like, coherent, where Excalibur is talking 100 words per second, which is a little hard to, you know, hear. But definitely, no, I, I, I appreciate Excalibur. But for sure, Mike Tanay will be amazing. Imagine hearing Mike Tanay on the same uh, commentary team as JR and Tony Schiavone in 2022. That'd be insane. Fuck, dude. Wild. Like you said, even just for one match, dude, it'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, easily. You could bring in when next time you do like a Forbidden Door, you have like Japanese talent come in. If it's not like Okada or Tanahashi, someone that is like a little less known, that would be a great moment to bring in Mike Tanay just to give a little bit of the history of whoever they bring in, which is what he did oh, yeah, here in WCW. Awesome. That was his job. Shout out, Courtney. What's up? Thanks for joining. Dom says, I was mad as fuck when Impact got rid of Mike and Josh, Mike for Josh fucking Matthews. <laughs> I mean, at the time, Mike Tanay, he was, it was his decision to step down. So I can understand why, but I was never the biggest Josh Matthews fan. So that was a big drop off when you go from Mike Tanay to Josh Matthews. Especially like, I love Taz too. And Taz's commentary is hilarious as fuck to me. But Josh Matthews and Taz was a huge drop off, in my opinion, from Mike Tanay and Don West because they were the team that really made TNA TNA. The the excitement yeah. level that they would bring was so much like different than what they ended Don, up. Being. Don West was fucking incredible, dude. He was fucking incredible. Never I got been back and these old TNA shows because I got yeah. the that you know the subscriptions, so they always are just dropping pay per view after pay per view, and I was like. Fuck, man. These guys are just so good. Yeah, it gives you an extra respect yeah. for Tanay for sure. What's Tanay doing nowadays? I think he's just retiring. You know? he, I, yeah. I feel like Mike Tanay, like, no offense to him, I feel like he was old even in WCW. So, like, I'm sure all these years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure, like, he's just enjoying retirement. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. I feel that. I feel that, yeah. Yeah. 
Don West, man. Like, I just remember, like, all the crazy spots, like Elix Skipper walking on the, tap, the top of the cage, and he's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, he was always bringing the hype. Fucking Mojo Rally talking about get hype. Shit. <laughs> he's only 67 years old. He ain't even old. Wow. He ain't old at all, man. Like, crazy. Wow. Crazy. Nah, yeah, that, that's young. No offense to him. Like yeah. I said, like, he always seemed a little older than. But I guess that, that yeah. was the wisdom. That was the wisdom speaking. Don West was the man. Sorry for derailing you guys. No, nah, it's all good, bro. Like, this is what the wrestling DeLorean is all about. We always talk about a topic and we always go off on a bunch of other shit. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Cook, what's good? Thanks for joining. I loved how Mike Tanay gave the context to Eddie, Car- Eddie Guerrero carrying the burden of his father, Gory being in the shadow of El Santo, and he wa- warned that Eddie already turned on the tag partners in Mexico. That was a, a really good story. We're about to get into that right now because the match we're about to talk about is... WCW Cruiserweight Championship match, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr. Like I said in the intro, my opinion, the greatest WCW match of all time. Like I said, I got a lot of shit for that when we did the circle debate top five Rey Mysterio moments. And I'm still, I'm holding it down. Like I'm going to stand by what I say. I, I watched WCW. Truth be told, growing up, my dad was a WCW head. So as much as I wanted to watch Raw is War and my dad was like, fuck that. I'm watching WCW. So since we only had one out, I mean, one uh, TV in the living room and no TVs in the room, I was watching WCW. So I lived through most of this Nitros and most of the pay-per-views. So I could tell you firsthand, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, in my opinion, was the best matchup. It's not like I haven't seen it all. Like, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero was on another level. Like, this was... It, I don't know. Like, a lot of people nowadays talk about matches seeming so choreographed, Right. This seemed like they were on the same page at the like the whole matchup, but it never felt choreographed. And Eddie Guerrero, as beautiful as Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero made everything seem, and everything was so fluent and so nice, Eddie Guerrero was bringing the fucking violence. There was a couple parts of this matchup where I was watching this with my girl, and she's like, how is Rey Mysterio not concussed after that move? Like There was a couple of those moments because Eddie Guerrero was bringing the heat. No, no pun intended, but yeah, yeah. he was bringing the heat to Rey Mysterio. So I love that style of Rey Mysterio making everything look so beautiful and fluent and making everything look so effortless. And then Eddie Guerrero, who is always effortless, but still beating the shit out of you at the same time. Amazing matchup, man. What could I say that hasn't been said about this? Like, just everything was just picture perfect. Nothing looked sloppy. Everything was just chef kiss. <laughs> what did yes. you think about this matchup? Bro, it was fucking beautiful. Definitely a five-star match. Like Brian Cook just said in the comments, I agree 100%. That was in my notes. Um, I was running down. I love uh, how Ray's mask was a part of his bodysuit. I thought that was fucking yeah. really cool. And then I loved how Tanae broke down Eddie's past of being a scumbag in Mexico because you didn't know that when he first came up. He was just clean, yeah. baby face, Eddie Guerrero, you know. So you, I had no idea. Um, and then... You know, I didn't like how how when Eddie was still ripping at Ray's mask, you can kind of see Ray's whole whole face when he was in one of those submission moves. I was like, oh, I wasn't so big on that. That that knocked just a point or two away from the match for me. But I didn't like take away from like the quality of the match. Obviously, I just didn't like that you can almost see Ray's whole face during the middle of the yeah. match. And the point of the match was mask versus title. <laughs> I was just- like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. but. Like, why are you showing this dude's face? But I think that was more of, like, a, an error. Like, I don't think he probably meant to rip it that much or, like, have his face there. But, you know, I digress. Um, I just didn't yeah. like that. I thought the El Santo story, I, I, I enjoyed that as well. 
And then just everything Ray was doing was nasty, dude. He was just nasty, 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 dude. That somersault hurricane run up to the outside. He had this Bro. wild splash on the inside. Like, it was like a 640 onto Eddie. He was fucking sick after the fucking that move, dude. And then there was more crazy offense back and forth. Eddie hit this fucking power bomb that was just fucking ridiculous, dude. The whole uh, fucking match of, uh, just shook. Dude, dude, my bad. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, yeah. run down move by move, but it's like, holy Yo, shit. Yo, I'm enjoying it. Keep going. Spring- <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. Keep going. You got the reversal of the springboard Rana into that backbreaker. That was what I was talking about when the show first started. That might have been the cleanest reversal I've ever seen. Go back and watch that, dude. Uh, Ray goes yeah. for, like, a springboard Rana. Boom. Eddie counters into a backbreaker. Nasty, dude. And then the ending was even sicker, dude. The razor's yeah. edge from the top rope into a Rana for the three. Boom, dude. Yeah, loved it. I loved it, bro. It was smooth. Eddie and Ray celebrating. Eddie attacks him post-match, dude. Still, like, showing Eddie is a dominant. I'd imagine Eddie is going to go, like, for the U.S. title or something along those lines. Maybe move up um, next. I loved it, dude. Loved this fucking match, man. Absolutely. I don't know if it's yeah. the best in history. You'll have to tell me what number one on was that show. Or maybe I got to go back and watch it. Um, it was but... just top uh, top Ray Mysterio moments. So it was like spanning into his oh, whole career. Okay. But I had this got as it, like it. my number two, like his best match. My my number one, I believe, was uh, him teaming up with Dominic just because like I know how much that meant for him. Like him finally teaming up with his son, winning the tag titles. It ain't really my yeah, first cool. choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like trying try to be politically right, correct there. But nah, um, definitely – Everything you said, man, this matchup was just fucking phenomenal. And like you said, I love the fact that Rey Mysterio, since the point of the match was if he loses, he loses his mask. I love the fact that his mask was a part of his suit. So if he took off the mask, he's taking off everything. That was that yeah, was really that cool. Was awesome. And also, like, the backstory, you know, behind the scenes. I talked about it on that Rey Mysterio episode. Behind the scenes, Eddie Guerrero was supposed to win this matchup. And Rey Mysterio and Conan and Eddie Guerrero all went to bat saying that Rey Mysterio should not unmask. You're going to take away from the aura, the presence, and he is not going to unmask. And it was up to the point, I believe, like the night before where he had one last heart to heart with Eric Bischoff and saying, look, I am willing to do whatever you want me to do, but I need to win this matchup because I'm not going to take off this mask. Now, unfortunately, about a year later, he loses the matchup with Kevin Nash and has to unmask. And you, you still see his face in here, but, like, how could you not? Like, the way Eddie Rose was like, yanking at that eye, like, it was going to right. definitely rip a lot more than he probably wanted it to. But for sure, like, I love the fact that Rey Mysterio stuck, stuck to his beliefs. And no matter how much they were pushing for him to lose this matchup, he was like, no, I'm not losing this mask. He said, I could lose well, the matchup, our- but I'm not losing the mask. Yeah, that's yeah. ironic that you say that. I didn't know I didn't know any of that, so that's cool. Thank you for that background for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they had mentioned that the last big luchador to really lose their mask was Conan, and I didn't know that either. Yeah. So that's more backstory. Tanae was just fucking spitting, dude, he's the man. all night, dude. Well, not he's all night, man. but these three <laughs> matches that he was out there. Yeah, man. Yeah, like like I said, especially for like those international talents, he was the man. Don says, you're not wrong, De Niro. I might say Eddie versus Dean Malenko for the TV title was better, but they were close to the, – the TV title match in ECW was definitely up there. I, I know their matches in WCW was great, but I'll put Eddie versus Dean in ECW on that final uh, night that they were there, the two out of three falls. I'll put that against any match in wrestling history, one of the greatest matches of all time that never gets talked about. Brian Cook says, why on earth do so many of the greatest wrestlers always step it up big when they turn heel like Eddie and Chris Jericho did? 
Even Hogan did some good stuff. Eh, we're going to talk about that. But <laughs> even Hogan did some good stuff after he joined NWO in 96. What up, Lennox Coleman, my man? What's good, bro? I'm about to stream the match this week on the WWE 2K22 Rey Mysterio Showcase this week on the YouTube channel. Very awesome match during turning 25 years next month. That was also cool because just recently on the WWE game, they did have the Rey Mysterio Showcase, and you could relive this matchup in video game form. And also, shout out to the attire. Like, not just the mask being connected to the bodysuit, but one of the best Rey Mysterio attires. He was known for his attires and his masks and his gear, but I always loved the Phantom gear. It was definitely historic. Dom says, to be fair, TK, they were trying to get every luchador to take off their mask on Nitro. Uh, Yeah, because soon we see Psychosis and fucking Juventus Guerrero. They all start unmasking. So I know... It was just a thing where Eric Bischoff never felt like the luchadors could show emotion in a matchup if they're covering their face. But Rey Mysterio is one of those guys where he has a mask his whole career, and it's hard to pick a guy who shows more emotion than Rey Mysterio. So I don't I never got why it was like a need to unmask luchadors, but I, I never felt like WCW actually respected their luchadors, but it is what it is. Next up on the show, we got Mongo McMichaels versus Alex Wright, who was the special, I guess, guest opponent of Deborah to go against her husband. Um, this matchup was all right. It was pretty much a nothing matchup. And at the end, we had the surprise where the real, op- not opponent, but the real like hired assassin, I would say, for Deborah was Goldberg. And last week, if you remember, when we were watching Nitro, when Goldberg was leaving his matchup, he got into Mongo's face. So I guess that's where it stemmed from. But this match was a bit of a, you know, a cool down period after what we just saw. Yeah, man. We went from like work work rate to this and, you know, a little something after this too, you know, we'll talk about it. But I don't know, man. Major cool down, like you said. I've always loved Mongo. I always throw up my four for him. But the Alex Wright was definitely a disappointment. I mean, the Goldberg thing was cool. I don't know why. I guess you wanted to build to a big match on Nitro or something and maybe not just yeah. throw it on there right away. But I don't know. The, Charles Robinson looked stupid as fuck because Goldberg's, like, on his back about to fucking – after he speared him, trying to jackhammer him. So, like, how yeah. don't you know someone's there? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, like, that that was stupid. And then I just yeah. – I don't know. I, yeah, definitely a, a probably the weakest point of the whole card for sure. At one point, Charles Robinson even looked back to see if Goldberg was still there to look right back at Deborah to continue arguing with her. And I was like, this looks so bad. Like, I always feel like spots like this, it's it's on the it's on the production team because, yeah, the referee needs to know, like, when the guy's in the ring, when the guy's out the ring so he could turn around and not look stupid. But also, like, the production team putting the fucking camera on him in a wide lens where it's like you could see everything. So when he looks back, you could see him looking back. Like, the production right. team should have just closed up on Goldberg where you're not seeing Charles Robinson look. But True. yeah, you know, they 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 constantly it was constant moments. I even feel like a couple weeks ago on Nitro when Dan was on, we were talking about how the referee watched a low blow and then looked around and was like, "Oh, what happened?" And it wasn't <laughs> it was even Nick Patrick who was the heel referee at the time. Like it was just shit like that. They always had to like you know I always say they need to tighten those screws just to be a better product. But yeah, it is what it is. We ain't gonna spend much time on this matchup. But I didn't think we would. Yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, we got Randy Savage up in here. What's good, Randy Savage? We're gonna be talking yeah. about you a little later. Coming right Ooh, back at macho. you. It's Macho Man. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, versus DDP yeah. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Lennon's coming. Thanks for the shout out, bro. Of course, man. I appreciate you always supporting. All right. 
after this, we have an intergender matchup, Disco Inferno and Jacqueline. So, yeah, this was definitely the cool-down period of the show. Um, like you said, you had three bangers to start off, and the third match with Ray and Eddie was the absolute, like, killer moment of the show. And then you get Mongo versus Alex Wright. Now you get Disco Inferno versus Jacqueline. But, I mean, what can we say about this? What did you think about this? Yo, bro, if they actually let them wrestle, I'm sure it would have been great because Jack – well, not great because nothing Disco Inferno will ever do would be great. But, like, Jacqueline <laughs> would have elevated, you know, Disco Inferno to being in a good match because I think Miss yeah. Miss Jackie, Jacqueline, whatever you want to call her, was fucking great. So if they yeah. actually let this match go, it would have been fine. But it was – Disco can't touch her. Disco can't hit her. Disco can't hit her. Kick her. Okay, well, what what are you doing? Why are we well, doing this? this match? Like, what? Yeah, that, it, it was stupid. I, I all my note says is, who the fuck cares? That's it. Exactly. I probably talked about I, it a little more than I should have. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. After like the first three minutes, I skipped through to the next matchup. Like, I keep it real. Like, I was not interested at all in this. But uh, yeah, Dom, we got Macho Man from Beyond the Grave up in here, definitely. All right, let's let's talk about a matchup that I thought was actually really good. The WCW United States Championship matchup between Kurt Hennig and Ric Flair. Now, this is going all the way back to a month before Fall Brawl. It was War Games, the, the Four Horsemen versus NWO. If you remember the, the, famous, um, the famous promo where Arn Anderson hands his spot over to Kurt Hennig to join the Four Horsemen, not just joining them, but giving him the enforcer role. And at the pay-per-view Fall Brawl, literally like a fucking couple days later, turns on the Four Horsemen, joins the NWO, which I never liked. Like you said last week, Kurt Henning was perfect for the Four Horsemen. It would have fit in amazingly with them. But instead, he's here with the NWO. Ric Flair has a grudge, and that's the main part of this matchup. It was for the United States champion, but it went beyond the title because you felt the intensity in this matchup. You felt the fact that Ric Flair wanted a piece of Kurt Henning's ass. And I love that he just rushed down to the ring. No strutting, no styling and profiling. Just let me go in there and just beat his ass. And that's the side of Ric Flair that we don't see much, especially in this time. So I really enjoyed this matchup. Yeah, dude, that was really cool. And you got to remember they had the history back together in WWF when they were together. Mr. Perfect was Ric Flair's right-hand man the whole time that he was there. Well, not the whole time. Eventually they split up and that was his last feud on on Flair's way out the door. But Mr. Perfect was his right-hand man that whole time through the title run. So instantly, yes, if you didn't hear me last week on Monday, yes, Mr. Perfect was the perfect guy for the Four Horsemen. Him turning and joining the NWO was awful, especially in hindsight looking at it. No fit. And that's my first thing I say about this match is I hate that Henning came out to the NWO music. I hate it. Why couldn't he have his own version? Even if it's like, I know, they all came out to it, but they all like, Ooh yeah, or like they had like yeah they had like a little sweet or they had their little know, sound bites in it, right? And his is just the NWO music, and that's not cool, dude. He's Mister Perfect. He's Kurt fucking Henning, man. Like he is one of the he lost his identity. He definitely time. lost his identity when he was in NWO. He was just mixed yep. with a bunch of the other NWO B team, and that's sad because he is one of the greatest of all time. And it's like shit, you won't just have him get lost in the shuffle. Damn. Yep. Yeah. Awful dude. Yeah. So I said, I hate that Hank comes out to the end of music. Oh, music. But I love the robe, dude. I love how he's wearing Ric Flair's robe and he had the sleeves cut off. I thought that was really yeah. cool. 
And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I love it. Fucking Flair's intensity, dude. You don't see that too often. He fucking came down. He was fiery. He wanted hunting so bad. And then I, I love that he rushed to the ring. And I like that he put the robe on afterwards. He started strutting around the ring doing his thing, dude. And then, yeah. And yeah usually I don't want a title match to end in a DQ. But this match wasn't about a fucking title. Flair wanted him some of fucking Kurt. And he got himself some of fucking Kurt, dude. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. He put the belt around his face at one point and stomped it. While all <laughs> Kurt had to do was push it away. Because his hands were right next to it. I still love the fucking spot because it's not something that you see very often. So that was cool. I, I dug it, man. Yeah, definitely a highlight of the show. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Most definitely, most definitely. And ladies and gentlemen, representing Cage My IQ, we got Dan Bakley in the building. What's good, my man? What How is you good? Doing? I'm so, doing good. You, you missed all the good shit, but we'll, we'll <laughs> go back real quick. So 
we started, you know, with uh, the star of the show, Yuji Nagata, Ultimo Dragon. Thoughts? It was a pretty good matchup. Uh, it's kind of nostalgic for, for us right now because, of course, we, we're seeing uh, Yuji Nagata, Mr. Blue Man right now, uh, putting over yeah. talent. Uh, he's a lot bigger than he was then, but I just like in that match how he was aiming for the arm the whole time. He was just attacking it. And then towards the end, he did like that leg submission out of the blue to try and get him down. And then as he's going uh, towards the end, uh, Ultimo Dragon made one mistake and it cost him and he had to tap. Uh, I just like how Yuji yeah. Nagata got the win. It looks like we got uh, – apparently I'm in the – I'm in the chat right now, so I don't know how that's possible. Oh my god, you have a doppelganger. Uh, what up, what up, Cage My IQ? Um, what's good? Thanks for joining. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. yeah I, I we all definitely agreed, like it was a great matchup. What did you think about the unannounced matchup? Gato versus Chris Jericho. Like, this is when I text you. I, I remember I, I texted you and I was like, yo, it's like we're watching some new Japan show right now. I, I was like, yo, Dan is going to love this shit. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were going to be pumped, dude. I knew it. That's what I said earlier. I was like, when I seen this, I was like, Bakley is going to be fucking stoked, dude. But I didn't want to text you because I didn't want to spoil it because I didn't know if you watched yet or not. <laughs> Talk about a guy that looks so different now compared to what he did that. in 97. It, it, Unrecognizable. It, it, yeah, it's like Dick Togo had a kid with Sonata. <laughs> and it was uh, and it was Gato from uh, like twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I took this, this match because, he, like, like they said in the matchup, like he always had something to counter Chris Jericho. But then he went and made that one move off the top rope where he jumped off the top rope. It looked like he tried to do like a was it like the whole cooking leg drop off the top rope. Uh, Chris Jericho moved, and then he instantly locked in that. Uh, uh, of course, the walls of Jericho, and then. I forgot how great of a move it was back then when he just pressed his uh, leg on top of the guy's head and then he instantly tapped. And I was like, yeah. that was one of my favorite Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho like uh, times was when he was that because he was quick. He had the power boost, but then he was, uh, but then he'd had the swift uh, submission uh, attacks as well. Yeah. And then, you know, something that I marked down because we talked about it two weeks ago. This is something that's on the show, but it's because of the Peacock edit of the show. It's like, come on, man. They couldn't get some, like, random rock music to dub over Chris Jericho. They had to give him the break the walls down music. Come on, man. What a way. The next matchup was nothing special, so we're going to go on to Mongo and Alex Wright. Now I'm just playing. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me me about Eddie Girl and Rey Mysterio. Holy shit. Uh, This this is one of those holy shit matches, uh, like we said, like, and you could have a six-star match. It was that. I just like the nuances in, in this match that they had. Like, of course, every couple moves, Eddie Guerrero would try to rip the mask off. They made a point to tell him that they did it uh, the past couple. He, he ripped it off two weeks ago uh, on Nitro right before the pay-per-view. So instead of just having a mask, Rey Mysterio comes out in a full-body mask uh, suit with the mask attached so he couldn't do it. So what does Eddie Guerrero do? He just tries to rip the eye holes. And you could kind of see in the right side as he was doing it. Like, I loved the fact that he was doing the Steiner recliner and then trying to rip it up as at the same time. Yeah. But just the moveset that Rey Mysterio had. He did, like, the the jumping corkscrew headbutt uh, off the top rope. He just lands on him with reckless abandonment. 
He jumps off and does a a flip into a Horkarana, like a sunset flip into a Horkarana to the outside, connects on him and protects both of them. It's just, and then just the the power game of Eddie Guerrero, how he would catch him on top. I remember he caught him up top and hit him on the knee uh, like a backbreaker. And then he would do the, of course, the Wardlow power bomb into the pin. He, he did that. And just when you thought that he was going to uh, win and make Rey Mysterio mask up, Rey Mysterio gets him with the pin at the end and gets yeah. the victory in, in the infamous, uh, of course, Halloween Havoc mask, the Riddler. Now, I know the next two matches on the show had to be your favorite. <laughs> when I saw these matches, I was like, this is Dan. So talk to me about Mongo McMichael and Alex Wright. The best part of the match was when Mongo McMichael got speared in jackhammer. That's that's all you you need to know because it's crazy to think that Alex Wright was controlling the match and he had to dictate it because all he got from Mongo was like the Irish whips, which he couldn't even do right, uh, flipping right into the corner. And then Wright would just uh, do the clotheslines, the European uppercut. He's one of the first uh, German wrestlers that – Show up on the US scene, US scene. I wonder if he had any uh, chance of working with uh, Guther and Imperium training them at all because that's where they're all from. I, I know uh, Guther has said that he, he has worked a little bit with Alex Wright, but I wonder if the, the other two have. But it, it was it was cool to see uh, the, the transition of, uh, of, of course, of a rivalry with the fact that uh, Alex Wright. Uh, was taking the place of Jeff Jarrett, who had left the company, so it was kind of like a replacement. Yeah. And they had to find had to find like a, a guy to feud with Mongo. And then, of course, Goldberg had just started out; that he was a couple matches in, so this was their way of like Musa and uh, Mongo into Goldberg's path. He comes out, lays him out, and then just puts uh, Axray on top of him. So Axray gets that win that he needs because he was in that I believe the TV title picture and then Goldberg moves on to a, a bigger guy than just like the TV guys that he was facing at the time. Yeah, most definitely. Big shout out to Ivan the devious one, Circle Debate appreciate you being here my man, thank you so yeah. much. And we got Circle Debate here. Brother, the brother, I love you all. I love You're you bro, thank you so much for joining my man. <laughs> Dom says, facts, Dan. Brian says, the Mysterio and Guerrero match is near my top of all time. That's why I say it's my all-time for WCW. I know it's close Halloween, and close to Halloween, but Dan and TK got ghosts on their channels. Wait. Oh. I know it's close <laughs> yeah, to Halloween, but Dan and TK bigger, got bigger, ghosts bigger, on their channels. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just realized because you guys are also in the fucking chat. Sorry, it took me a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's been a long fucking That's day. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, match of the night. What was your thoughts on Disco Inferno and Jack? <laughs> you mean you mean a case of Taggart? <laughs> basically, <right. laughs> that, that's basically what it was for ninety percent of the match up until uh, Jacqueline finally got a hold of him. She uh, took him in the corner, pulled him, and then uh, he tried to leave. She brings him back in, and then she gets the the roll pin. That's basically all you need to talk about this matchup. She gets the Upset win over uh, the champion. Very much, right? And now you're all caught up because we were just talking right as you came in about Kerr Hennig mm-hmm. and Ric Flair. 
I thought it was a great matchup. I thought that it was awesome because even though it was for the title, the the feud went beyond the title. It was a matter of respect. Kurt Henning turned yeah. his back on not only the Four Horsemen, but spit in the face of Arn Anderson, basically, by not only receiving his spot in the Four Horsemen, but turning his back on the Four Horsemen fucking, what, like three, four days later at Fall Brawl. So I love the intensity that Ric Flair brought in this matchup. Great matchup. Always thought these guys had good chemistry with each other. What's your thoughts on this match? Dan. I, I liked it. I liked it because uh, you didn't have to have Ric Flair win the title, of course. I liked at the end where he just didn't give a shit. He put he put him in the Willow's Peak uh, in the corner and then just put the belt right in front of his face and then just gave him a swift kick to the face. And then right afterwards, he just pushes the or hits the ref down. He just didn't care. He just wanted to inflict pain and punishment on Kurt Ennin because he felt so disrespected. Because I believe if you remember, the DDP's the one that brought him back at American Bash to be his partner just yeah. for him to turn on him right away. And then a couple weeks ago, they had the the title match uh, hit him and head in and everything. And it got, I believe it got reversed, I believe, because uh, of uh, Ric Flair coming in at two and a half and then yeah. hitting head in. And then they had to reverse it. So he kept the, the belt on him at the time. But like, just like you said, he gets added to uh, the four horsemen and then he betrays them. And then he mocks him by keeping the robe and everything. He walks out into the ring with this the cutoff version of the robe. It looked dope. <laughs> it, it did. It, it did. It looked dope. And they went back and forth, and it was just it was just brutal. And then, of course, the right they had the right end. And like, even though he kept the belt, Ric Flair looked strong at the end, uh, trying to get his revenge, and that's what he got. Most definitely. Uh, I know Brian Cook was he put this comment a little earlier when we were talking about this matchup. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it now. The Horsemen never should have lost, should have even lost at War Games 97. They already lost once in North Carolina in 96, which was blasphemous, if you ask me. But for the NWO to beat them again and Flair's head being slammed by the cage was horrible. Yeah, yeah I mean, I feel like once NWO came, the Horsemen was just like yesterday's news. And it's sad because I love like this version of the Horsemen with Benoit. Um, I believe Malenko was also a part of the Horsemen at this time. Yeah. And then you had Kurt Henning for that brief, like, couple days. Like, if you think about that team of – you had Mongo in it, Ric Flair, Kurt Henning, Benoit, Malenko. Like, that's a squad. I mean, even Mongo, he could be the, the guy who's just, like, the brute. But, like, that's a squad right there. So, yeah. I wish that they would have ran with that. But, yeah, having them lose in North Carolina in 96 was blasphemous. Yeah. And then they lost horribly to NWO, especially with that double turn with Kurt yeah. Hennig in 97. It's just sad to see that they're just like yesterday's news and they're just thrown to the side as soon as NWO comes. And, and then not to take away from the match, too, I think there was a little bit of a bigger news within the match because throughout uh, this match, the match before, and then the, and then the Mongo Michael match, you had the commentary just talking about Hulk Hogan, yeah. him signing the contract, him saying he's not going to compete in the cage match. And they go, is he going to compete? Is it going to show up? He signed. He needs to come. He's threatening to leave and everything. And each match, they're trying to get updates on it to lead up to the main event. And each each match through it that they go to, they're getting closer to finding out. They're like, well, he signed, so he better, because if he does, he breaches contract. And they sit there in this match, and it's like, I. and then you just think at this point, we're probably not going to find out until that main event 
when he walks out or he doesn't walk out. Yeah, I thought that whole storyline was fucking stupid too. Like, yeah. Hogan was, man. We were talking about it a little earlier. Like, I think before the even we went on the air, like Hogan was just fucking whack as fuck. Like everyone likes to talk about, he was a top heel, one of the best heels of all time as Hollywood Hogan. He just got way more overbearing. Was totally like acting like I don't know, like so overdramatic. And little storylines like this just didn't make sense. It was stupid. I loved how Tony Schiavone called it out. Oh, well, I'm not going to wrestle in the cage if there's, you know, outside interference or if things still in the building. It's like, well, that's why you signed a cage match because yeah. the cage keeps all outside interference out. So shit like this, I, I felt like, you know, it never really helped WCW. It just kind of hurt them. And it hurt the matches because the commentary team is so focused on the Hogan storyline. They barely even mentioned what was going on in the ring with Mongo and Alex Wright. They barely even talked about this matchup with Crane and Ric Flair, and that's fucked up. Like, I never liked that. It's two shows in a row that we did. On Monday, it was stupid. Him and Savage out there all night trying to find Sting or DDP or whatever the fuck it was. All night. All night. Like, five times just screaming ridiculously. And then mm-hmm. this storyline consumes the whole night. And I don't mean to go back, but I just watched 1995 World War Three, where Hogan was a face and it kind of like he was in black still and it preluded. But then he ripped it yeah. off and he was red and yellow again. But he was all over the place all night again. And he was screaming just ridiculously and just so yeah. bad. Just he was awful. And it sucks because I touted him as the goat and I thought his heel run was fucking fascinating. But dude, his heel run is bad. I got to go back and watch his like right after he turns and see if it was good maybe for a few months. But this 97 shit is bad, way over the top. Yeah. And I'll say that four horsemen thing one more time because I'll scream it till the day I fucking die. Kurt Henning should have never, ever, ever left that group. It was at that time it was going to be Flair, Henning, Benoit, Mongo. That's fine. I know they eventually brought Malenko in after Henning turned. Yeah. But fuck, dude. He, that group would have been perfect and then you have that whole fucking promo that my, my dog spot my liver spot with kevin nash and conan and brian's yeah. right the war games was the nwob team it was nash bagwell conan and six fucking stroke off yeah I, I can understand if it was hogan hall nash and, like no if it was hogan hall nash and macho man that'd be different right like, you have right. the stars in there but yeah you got the b team like Fucking, you might as well put Vincent in there to fucking fight off the four horsemen. Shit. Uh oh. If it's Chris, what up, Chris? If it's Matt, what up, Matt? <laughs> I think I know. appreciate I think my it's teammates. The the UW Pod. Uh oh. Yeah. Got a hacker in the building. Henning <laughs> versus Flair feels like a matchup that deserves more than the U.S. title. I agree. Like these two guys could have main evented, and especially after what we saw for the main event, I feel like this could have been main event. Give this more time and have more of the grudge. I would have not mind that at all. No. Brian Cook says, "Oh, one thing I wanted to mention was that in the '96 War Games match, the '96 War Games match was awesome. '97 was a middle finger to WCW fans, but especially in the WCW's hottest city." Right? I, I feel like I feel like they should have kept the belt on DDP when he won it, and that would have made the, uh, of course, uh, the DDP. Uh, Match with Savage even better than what it was. We oh, talked about two weeks ago on uh, Nitro yeah. when you beat Kerhenig and then they yeah. reversed it. Yeah, they should they should have just kept the belt on him, and then had uh, DDP champion, and then have Savage win it from him. Yeah, most definitely. 
Dom says, tis the season, Ivan. I'm waiting for Top Rope to come. <laughs> yeah, Just wait what happens. <laughs> Next up, we got a special guest referee match. We have Larry Zabisco for Lex Luger versus Scott Hall. Um, story going into this match is since fall brawl, Scott Hall's just been taking out the referee and just bullying them in there. Yeah. Larry Zabisco is not going to stand for that. He got his uh, his license to be an official for WCW, and he's going to call it right down the middle. So here it is, Lex Luger and Scott Hall. I thought the matchup itself was really good. Um, Scott Hall's so underrated. People don't talk about Scott Hall's in-ring work. They just talk about his character. In-ring, Scott Hall could go. And I love the fact, like, you know, even though Lex Luger is a bigger guy, Scott Hall was still hitting, like, the last call on him and the fucking fallaway slam. Like, Scott Hall was the man, man. Rest in peace, Scott Hall, because shit, yeah. I always was a huge fan. But he definitely, you know, showed that in ring, he could go. I enjoyed this matchup. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whoever wants to go. Uh, Tim. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the, the match was fine. It, it was pretty slow. I mean, I know that that's their pace that they wanted to work. It didn't really pick up until Scott Hall, um, you know, got Larry Sabisco involved, which was obviously the point. Um, overall, yeah. really, it, did, it didn't do too much for me. Like you said, I love Scott Hall, and you guys know how I feel about Lex Luger. It's one of, they, they're both two of my favorites of all time. It just, I don't know, something didn't click for me. And then the X-Pac kick, sure as shit didn't click for me. I thought that he, like, used a weapon or something, but then when I saw the replay and it was a whack-ass, like, Roundhouse, Roundhouse barely touched him, and Luger sold it like he fucking got clipped with a brick, dude. I was like, "What did he just get hit with? Why is he still knocked out?" And then he just takes this razor's edge like he's fucking dead, and that's it. You know, I liked how they went back, reversed the decision. I love the torture rack, so I was glad I got to see it. And then, of course, you attack Larry. That feud that was inevitable. Yeah, it was. It was it was whatever it was it, it to me it wasn't one of the highlights of the show it was definitely better than that fucking match four and five stretch but it, it, it <laughs> yeah. was, it, I'll tell you it, what, it I, what it was I really did like when Larry Zabisco kicked uh, Eric Bischoff off the ring because that shit looked stiff as that was cool yeah that <laughs> yeah. was cool <laughs> for sure Dan I thought it was a good lead up because I believe uh, at uh, in uh, December was when it was uh, Scott Hall versus Larry Zabisco uh, if I'm correct. So this was like a, I believe that was the, this is one of the lead ups to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and just like you said, it was kind of slow paced, uh, like Scott Hall controlling majority of the the match. But then wait, right when you think Lex Luger is about to to get him in the torture rack, he goes like this. You get the distraction of the ref because Eric Bischoff is on one side and Six is on the other. He comes right in. And just like you said, he kicks him in the side of the in the side of the ribs. So he just goes like this, and then it was apparently it was enough for him to be able to get him and to do the razor's edge on him and get the victory. And then he goes to uh, Larry, he goes, "Make the pin, make the pin." And it goes one, two, and then he goes like this. And he looks at him, he's like, "Better look." <laughs> and then he goes like that. <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was uh, pretty cool. And then of course, like I said, it was a lead up. Uh, uh, to uh, December, and then we got to remember. I think it was. I think it was Hall in. Wasn't it Hall and Zabisco at World War Three, or was it was Zabisco and Easy at World War Three? I think, I think was, Zabisco uh, and Easy is uh, yeah Starcade. Star Starcade Star because Bret Hart was yeah. the ref, right? Or no, yeah. no, he was the ref. Yeah, Bret Hart was the ref for that, like and that, then yeah. he was. He, was, I believe, he was yeah. the ref for that, and then he like 
it came out and was like was the guest rapper. Because yeah, I know yeah, yeah. well, because I know Scott Hall won World War Three. I know that. And then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And so, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right. You're right for sure. It's just leading to bigger things to come. Yeah, much bigger things like like Eric know, off and Larry Zabisco. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, just like a filler uh, rivalry for Scott Hall at the time. Yeah. Oh shit, we got another ghost up in the chat. Yo, October's right here, right? Got to stay fresh cheese bags. I guess Grandma Wendy's here. Shout out Grandma Wendy. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Brian Cook, Scott Hall should have been WWF champion just once. Love the bad guy. Yeah, you know. I really feel like he deserved it. Even in WCW, like he was, in my opinion, the hottest member of the NWO, especially when he was doing the survey and like yep. he was the most over guy in NWO. So I wouldn't have been mad if you reversed like the roles for uh, Hogan and Scott Hall, even if it's for like a couple months, just to give Scott Hall a run with the top yeah. belt because he deserved it, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, and he would get a title shot later down the line at yeah. Super Brawl when he. Yep. Yeah, Super Bar. It was, yeah, it was that. He yeah, against shot the Stinger. Yeah, against him. So he did have. I a just really wish he had like a run with it. Yeah, he really and this was right before his, this was right before the the drugs and the drinking got too much for him, to where they yeah. kind of had to take him out of like that main event picture and plug him into uh, like the mid card at the time. And then I almost yeah. forgot the fact that like we reviewed a nitro two weeks ago. He was a tag champion at the time, and Larry Savitsko exercised his uh, new skills of being able to cause a ref to help them lose the belts. Yeah, uh, against the Steiner brothers. Yeah, against the Steiner yeah. brothers. So, uh, and it almost got reversed back, but then uh, they were like, "No, no, no! He, he's capable, able to do it since the ref was out. The call stands." So. Piper kept it, so that was the way to get the tag belts off of him and Kevin Nash, since Kevin Nash was out for a while because he was injured. Yeah, knee injury. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow us on Instagram at Top Rope Wrestling Talk. Too fucking long. <laughs> hey, award winning. Nonetheless, award winning, right? <laughs> What's up, Dom Cage? All right, so we're going on to the next matchup, which, in my opinion, was a fucking banger. I always thought that these two guys had such great chemistry with each other. Macho Man Randy Savage, Diamond Dallas Page. This matchup fucking ruled, in my opinion. I love this. Um, Diamond Dallas, he definitely been, like, rising up the ranks in WCW. But this feud with Macho Man Randy Savage definitely made him a fucking star. And, like, I just love how they brawled all over the arena. They destroyed the whole entrance set with all, the like, the tombstones. They're throwing each other all over that shit. I love uh, Elizabeth gets involved, and then Kimberly comes out to fight off Elizabeth, which we never really saw Elizabeth get physical too much. That was not her yeah. thing. So I, I thought that that was pretty cool. But definitely a, a great fucking matchup. What did you think about this, Tim? Yeah, bro. Uh, I loved it. Second best match of the night for sure, in my opinion. Uh, it was a barn burner. They fought all over the place. First and foremost, Miss Elizabeth – fucking fine dude like she was 97 was a day <laughs> but miss elizabeth yeah. is fine dude this is prime time miss mm-hmm. elizabeth right here like damn damn so yeah. i just want to give her a shout out for sure and i love ddp as a kid he always had the taped ribs so like he was fucking like to me like he was always that ultimate underdog 
And this all match, like time. you said, helped yeah. out all, all the time, dude. And this match helped. And he was always like Mr. WCW, too. And I, as I said last Monday, I was always Mr. WCW. Nowadays, 37-year-old TK would probably be Team NWO. But 12-year-old mm. Tim, <laughs> he was big-time WCW, all right? He might have shed a tear yeah. when Hulk Hogan turned heel. I don't know if I, I did. I did. I cried. <laughs> I, I cried. It is what it is, all right? Um, hey. But... But overall, I loved it. I love this match, dude. I love that Liz got involved. Like you said, she never gets involved. She smashed whatever that was over the referee. That was fucking awesome. We got a <laughs> yeah. cat fight. Who doesn't love a good cat fight? I mean, that was... All we need was Joey Styles to scrape cool. it out. <laughs> oh, my <Right>? God. <laughs> the only thing... <laughs> the only thing I didn't like was the ending. I thought it was super weak. I guess it ended up Hogan in a sting mask. Ended up hitting Paige in the ribs of the bat. I thought that, you know, if Savage would have dropped maybe one more elbow on him or something to, like, stamp that he got the win. But, like Savage's whole career, Hogan cucked him as always. So, there it is. And, and what's yeah. crazy is they, didn't, they really didn't revisit uh, that whole DDP, uh, Hulk Hogan thing until the summer. Because you, you have to wait yeah. so long for it. But like you, you that's had the feud where they brought in uh, Dennis Rodman and Carl first, Malone first, alone. Right? First, 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 they brought in Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone for the bash, and then at uh, Road Riled, they brought in Jay Leno. Jay Leno, we don't got to talk about that. <laughs> Jay Leno had Hulk Hogan selling a fucking armbar. Like, come on, fuck out of here. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, th- this was a great match, and then you got Savage here in this match who. He's supposed to be here, and he gets cheered. And he comes out dressed up as Mr. Slim Jim, of course. It didn't matter to him. He, he was going to rep his brand, and the crowd was into him even as a heel. So, like, you knew that he felt like like this was like a face-on-face, even though he was coming out as a heel. He had Elizabeth out there. Every time DDP would get momentum on his side, Miss Elizabeth would do something to kind of kill it. Just like you said, she hit him over in the back of the head, but then she wraps the the rope around him at the end, the wire, and the, when the ref is checking on Macho Man, she wraps it around and chokes him, and then that's when Kimberly comes out, and I felt that Kimberly looked like like a, like an old school Lita with her mm-hmm. outfit on. Uh, she coming coming out there saving her man and yeah. dragging uh, Miss Elizabeth to the back, and then it, it made it for a whole new uh, ball game there, a DDP. Uh, start to get a wind of everything, but then of course that low blow kick to the back when the ref couldn't see. He did. Oh, not the ref saw that shit. Yeah, that was another bad moment. The ref saw that <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then he does not one but two elbow drops, but then DDP still gets up in time. And then I think that's when he, uh, him and him, uh, DDP snuggle for a second. I think he throws him out, and he's just hanging over down falling off the ground, and then he's just getting checked at uh, because both guys were on the ground. I remember that one moment where it was like a, he tried to do the, the diamond cutter, but he uh, – yeah, but Savage holds the, the rope, keeps him from doing it. He does a third yep. elbow drop, and then he goes to the outside, and as Savage is getting checked on by the ref, the, the fake sting comes out. All he does is the, the hit to the ribs, and he falls down and gets 10 counted. Just like you said, I thought that was kind of weak because yeah. you would think that he would kind of get up and uh, get back into it, but that's how the match ended. And then he had to get uh, uh, carried out by a, a stretcher. <laughs> it's like 
It's like, come on now, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, right. But he, but throughout that whole time, he had bruised ribs for what it seemed like two years. Like, <laughs> I remember he had like yep. the diamond cutter yep. uh, tights, and then this was when he transitioned to the pants, and then the the rib cage injury for like two years, and it was it was the look. It came out to Nirvana, of course. Like there was everything nostalgic with uh, DDP, like <clears throat> coming out. That this is a guy who. Guy. Who's oh, yeah. basically a rookie at 35, pushing 40, and he's just getting started with his big push. And this was like, it was the right thing to it have. Helps when you're best friends with the boss. That too. Next. But uh, <laughs> it, it was a, you had that savage go over because just he was just within the crowd. He would get a title shot, and then he would actually win in the spring, early summer. He would get the belt on him because he wound up winning it from Sting. And it was just the right time to slow play your homegrown baby piece because then a year from now, you know, a year and a half from now at uh, Spring Stampede, you're finally get over the hump. Just like Tim always says, it's all about the chase. And that's yeah. what it was with DDP. He always had that chase and then he finally cashed in. And then I felt like afterwards, it was just like they turned him into like a bad cocky character for a while. And then he, he turned heel and I didn't like it. I liked when he chased the, the title and he was a baby face. Yeah, most definitely. I, I feel like a lot of people never look at DDP as one of the homegrown yeah. talent of WCW. Like I, I was watching them. Um, I forgot what it was. You remember those uh, WWE legend round tables that they used to yeah. have on the network? And they were talking about WCW and they were like, oh, they never made a homegrown star besides Goldberg. I'm like, what do you call Sting? What do you call DDP? They definitely had their fair share of homegrown talent. Like, let's not play that. And Diamond Dallas Page, still to this day, looks fucking amazing. You know, shout out to DDP Yoga. This shit actually works. I, I love DDP sure. Yoga. Like, um, and then if you remember, I believe it was uh, late 2019. He had that match in AEW. And my man was still diving from the top rope. Like, DDP, I'm sure, like, if he had to fucking make a Royal Rumble appearance or something, like, this upcoming Royal Rumble, he could do it and still look good. So, big shout out to DDP. Sure. Always been a fan. Yeah, but fun sure. fact, he, he would have never have done DDP yoga if it wasn't for uh, Kimberly. She's the one who yeah. got him on to doing yoga and started it. So, he, he, he has to thank his ex-wife for this big business that he started. Yeah, and I love when he tells the story. Like, he, yeah. he tells it the same way every time he tells a story, but, like, I'm a guy who would be caught dead doing yoga. <laughs> but, like, no, nah, I mean, shout out to DDP Yoga. Like, that shit, I, I used to do it and quite the workout. But um, Dom says, brutal fucking banger right there. Macho Man and DDP killed it, killed it and each other. That's a fact. Brian Cook says, love the match between DDP and the Macho Man. Plus, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth was pure class. You don't get valets like that anymore. She was pure class, but, yo... Like that, that black leather was a new look for her. I like that. <laughs> 18 year old psycho was team NWO. That's fair. Watch your mouth, Timmy. Ooh, yeah, dig it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Sorry, Macho Man. Oh, my bad. <laughs> you're, yeah. uh -oh. <laughs> you're getting heat right now. Yeah, you're getting heat with oh, the man right now. Oh, Shout out yeah. the World Elite well, Podcast. What up? <laughs> what up, Dylan? What up, bro? What up? All right, so time time to get into this main event. We got a cage match, which was a very awkward looking cage, very rickety looking cage. I was gonna say how how bad looking was the cage where it looked like if you tried to climb up it, it would just fall down, just shaking like 
gosh, man. Like they, they, I understand that they were trying to make it look more impressive than a regular cage just because yeah. at this time, literally a month before, or less, a little less than a month, WWE just had Hell in a Cell, the first ever Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. So they want to do a different looking cage, a cage that you could wrestle on the outside because that's what Hell in the Cell had. It had like that outside area where you could still wrestle. Yeah. But this wasn't it. This was not it. This this looked like a mix between the the old blue bars cage, which I always loved. But if the blue bars were made out of like tinfoil or some shit, because it was yeah. just shaking and it looked like every time they were going to climb up it, like it was just going to like fall I down. Like I no lie, I got it on right now because I wanted to watch it at the main event while we were talking. And I'm watching Hulk Hogan climb up it, and it's going it's just shaking as shit. Yeah, it's going like this. <laughs> it looks dangerous as fuck. Like, and then it's funny because you know Hulk Hogan earlier in the promo, he was all like, "Oh, you gotta think about the fans, the fans' protection, right?" Mm-hmm. Like, yo, that that cage looked like it was about to fall in the fucking fans. So, I don't know. It, it was a, uh, it was a okay match for what it is. It would have been probably a five star match in '84. But in 97, this matchup was not needed, in my opinion. I loved Roddy Piper's gimmick here. I loved how he was the icon and he was the one man who would step up to the NWO. But still, like, and to be honest, I don't even think Roddy Piper was really the problem in this matchup. I think it was really Hogan. And not to, like, hate on Hogan so much, but I'm not – if Hogan's already, like, a limited, like, guy who's limited in the ring and doesn't move much – I'm not putting him in a cage where he's trying to climb over and just slow up the whole pacing of the show. You know what I mean? It, this kind of killed the pacing of the show, and it's the main event. The main event, everything's supposed to be built up to the main event. I feel like this kind of like slowed everything down, and it was like a 35 minute fucking matchup where it was like, God damn, this is just dragging at this point. But I don't know. That that's just my opinion. What did you guys think, Tim? Yeah. First and foremost, I just want to say Roddy Piper is the number one guy, the best guy, the best wrestler to never win a world championship. But in 1996 at Starcade, Hulk Hogan was the world champion and Roddy Piper fucking beat him, which why wasn't that belt for the world title? Here once again, Roddy Piper beats him. The fucking title is in the hands or in between these two. Whatever the fuck the stupid story is, why isn't Piper the fucking world champion he does look good man yeah. but fucking uh but why didn't pipe win the title like like he was in my opinion um you know which is always subjective in wrestling he is the best wrestler to never win a world championship and it's insane to me it's crazy that he didn't and again he fucking passed him out of star and he passed him out here i have more comments so you know about the actual match itself it, it was what it was. You know, it was slow. I want to give them their props for their age, being able to climb up and down the cage. There was one point where they were fighting on top of the cage, and I was like, damn, dude, for, like, being how old both of them are, pipe coming off of fucking hip surgery and shit, being up there at the top of – that's a tall cage. They were they, they were handling their business well. I yeah. love Piper. You know, at one point he was biting Hogan's ass, and he bit his back, and he bit his head. Yeah. And I'm like, is, pipe, is Piper a steal? Like, I don't know what's going on here, but I fucking, <laughs> you know, I, I dug <laughs> – I, I dug what he was doing there. But then here's what I needed to ask you guys. And, you know, I'll basically talk after. I don't understand the whole thing, what the fucking match was. So, like, they're trying to climb out, but then they walked out at the exact same out. time. And then, and then they came back. But then Hogan walked out again, 
and walked up the ramp and got forced back by Sting, or, or a fake Sting. And then there were fake Stings all over the place. They're back in the ring. They're trying to climb out again. Then Hogan leg drops and calls for a fucking pin. I didn't know there were pins allowed in this match. And then Piper. It was even a rep in the ring. <laughs> yeah, like, the rep had to come. The, whole... the rep was uh, the rep was outside of the ring. I just saw it just now. He was outside of the yeah. ring, and he had to go back in to make the pin yeah. uh, fall. So the whole thing, and even to, even they said on commentary, a ref's not needed for this match. A ref's not needed. So now I don't know how the fuck you win this match at all. We finally got a ref in the ring because these guys have been trying to go outside, even though they were already outside. So confused. My last two things about this is this. The macho man sprints to the ring, climbs the cage like a fucking, fucking, what, I don't even know who, who's a good, a raccoon, like, I don't know who climbs like that. But <laughs> You're like Spider-Man like, climbing up there. A spider monkey, dude. And then just fucking <laughs> flies. I'm like, that man, that he, man needs he to just be totally, he, he, he just totally misses the mark. He doesn't I even know. hit, he, he doesn't even he hit Roddy Piper. That's a far cage. He was on the outside corner trying to dive yeah. into Whoa. the ring. It's so, but you want to talk to, about it, athleticism, dude. And my last point, my my last point is all this build to sting, and we didn't get sting. Oh, and that fan who got assaulted, why wasn't that taken off Peacock? But damn, Hogan and Savage beat the fuck out of that they guy. Fucked crazy, they dude. fucked him up. They fucked him up. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, this fan's getting they beat fucked the up right fuck. now. Yo, that he was like security yep. would take him, and Hogan and Savage would take him back down. I know, let us have him. But yeah, you guys, my bad. You guys yeah. talk, my bad. Do you guys do you? But no, no Sting was good. very disappointing, dude. Very disappointing. Yeah. I guess getting to see Hogan Savage beat that ass was cool, but no Sting was fucked. I think that that might have been like they they called an audible just because of that fan and everything yeah. that was going on. But oh. I uh, I do got to say, like when you were saying, like what are the rules of this matchup? It's WCW, like. You know, they, they were never good at putting together matches, I feel, and, like, especially when it comes to rules, because it was very confusing. I would have just said this is a non-sanctioned brawl, and the cage is there to prevent outside interference, and it's just brawl until someone's the last man standing. To make it a matchup, it was a little weird, because there was no referee, and then there was a referee, and then they're trying to escape the cage, and then they actually escape the cage, but the match ain't over. So, definitely, it should have just been a brawl with the cage that kept everybody out. Yeah. But, Dan, what did you think? This was just a mess, man. Uh, <laughs> like, what I don't get is the what's the point of this? All those fake stings being on the outside. And they watch as Hogan's trying to climb down, and Roddy Piper's trying to get up to get to where he's at. The fake stings are just poking him. They're just poking. Him. They're not trying to hit him. They're just poking him in the back. And that's apparently supposed to make him go back up and go back back to the inside to be safe from getting poked. From apparently from what, what I saw. And then they're both going back down. Did you see two more stand next to each other just standing there while there's two on each side? I'm like, how many fucking stings are there? And it's getting and, old because we saw yeah. the Nitro where they did this two weeks ago. Yeah. And they did it again on the Nitro I saw with Tim. And then here we got the fake stings again. Like the first time it happened, I was like, oh, this is really cool because one of the fake stings is actually sting. But when you keep on going to this well and you just have a bunch of fake stings, it's like. Now I'm seeing the the fan climb up the cage and climb to the, down to go into the ring. Uh, the uh, worst but, decision in that fan's life. <laughs> but but the but the the weird part was was uh, at the end, of course, because uh, the end was a uh, Macho Man jumps up or climbs up, jumps down, technically hits Hogan, but Rory doesn't. And then from there he gets uh, sleepered at one, two, three, like hands up. Uh, Roddy Piper wins. 
But then apparently Roddy Piper gets up right away, attacks him. One of the fake stings comes in. What I never thought, thought of was, how does the fake sting get in right away? But Macho Man, literally two seconds after the ref comes in to make the pin, why does he just open the door and come in through the <laughs> the cage door instead of climbing all the way up? Like, yeah, taking no the sense. leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but that sting comes in, was holding a Macho Man, and then then uh, Hogan comes in, just annihilates him, takes the mask off. He's basically maskless uh, for like two seconds, and you're like, okay, I can see the guy now. I can, and then he throws him on, on the other side, but then he grabs the mask and puts it on while he, he's about to go and do the spray paint the writing paper because they both grabbed him and they tried to uh, handcuff him to the thing, and then that's when the the fan comes in. And just gets annihilated, but I'm, I'm watching all the security hold the, the fan down while Hogan <laughs> and uh, Savage are beating the shit out of him. And you got Roddy Piper just hanging there, dangling off the cage. <laughs> like he wins, but then he looks like uh, very weak at the end, being held there by two handcuffs, and they have to try to get him. And then the fan comes right in front of him and kicks him right before he gets pulled out. <laughs> So it's like it was just like for me to this was a mess, just a mess. This was a shit yeah. show of a of a main event. It was like, and then they just go cut right afterwards. They just cut to the end, and it's just like okay, that's how it ends. Just complete chaos. You don't know what happens or or anything. Why why these things are there? You don't get any answers at all. It's just yeah. like okay. Uh, Hogan uh, loses, but he doesn't lose the belt. It's like this is the second time this has happened. Makes no sense whatsoever. And then he would eventually would lose it to uh, Sting, but it's like it's like everybody says the whole Sting uh, storyline was awesome. They just didn't cash in on it uh, right at Starcast. The yeah. ending to the to the feud just sucked. Like he did, it, yeah, it technically get the win, but the way they did it was bad. And it was like at that time I was almost done with Hogan. He would come back and of course have his main event matches, but it's like I didn't like how this time you can basically say that Hogan was Brock or Roman Reigns at this time when he would only show up every couple of pay per views. He he was the old old G part timer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point to put it. Yeah, for sure he was definitely. Gosh, and it was at least when Brock and Roman Reigns were fucking yeah. when they come back, like they put on bangers. Like Hogan was not, <laughs> even when he was at this age. But yeah. Dom says that cage was weaker than the cell Taker and Mankind were on top of. Pretty sure it was made from melted down paper clips. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan doing something to fuck up WCW? Never. <laughs> Piper came to kick ass and chew on Hulk Hogan, and he's. Lost the energy to kick ass. <laughs> yeah, Randy said Randy was athletic, but also cocaine is a hell of a drug. And I'll bet that the coke the I'll bet he got the cocaine from the guy booking the main event. I mean, yeah, great, great fucking comments there. Great way to put it. But why? Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. This show was a mixed bag for me. I, I thought that you had an amazing start. Like, if they could have kept that pacing and the match quality of the first three matches throughout this show, it would have been phenomenal. And then you have two matches that would have been a better slot for that main event with Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair and Macho Man versus Diamond Dallas. And I would have been mad. But instead, we go with Hulk, Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper, not even for a title. In this weird put together cage match that no one knows the rules to, and was built up for weeks. Yeah. Like they built up this matchup for weeks, and like you would think that they would have had some type of ruling or something like planned beforehand. But I don't know. I remember Eric Bischoff in an interview, or it might have been on his podcast, saying that WCW had a huge problem with match endings. Like they could book a great matchup, but it would be the finish of the matchup where everything would just fall flat and borderline ruin the matchup. And I feel like there was a couple instances of that on this show because Randy Savage versus Diamond Dallas, we said was a great matchup, but then look at that ending. And then this whole shit show in the main event, it was like there was obviously somebody who was not backstage who could help book like the way to end the show or end the matchup to make it compelling at least. There was nothing compelling about this matchup until the fucking fan climbed over. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? But who wants to, like, sit on the edge of the seat because someone is trespassing? I mean, shit. But overall, like I said, decent show. Um, the Rey Mysterio-Eddie Girl match seemed even better being on a show like this because it really stands out. But um, first half of the show was five stars, in my opinion. Second half was, I'd say, maybe two yeah, because I'm looking at the reception from it, from what one of these uh, big time like viewers put it. He was like, for the Rey Mysterio match, he said that's can't miss. It, it was a required view, and Nagata Dragon and DDP Savage were both strong matches. Gato Jericho is all right, too. You had Mongo Wright, Disco Jackie, and Hogan Piper were big stinkers. But the, but the good manages to outweigh the bad on this particular night. And just like you said, majority of the good were in the beginning. And then towards the end, uh, don't, don't, the big-time match was Savage and DDP, which should have been, in my opinion, the main event. Like, But, of course, you have to have Hogan main event right. because he's the champion. If, if it was in a title event, match, though. Shit. Yeah, but if he's the main event, why not make it for the title? Like, during what the whole if- time, you, you had a... Roddy Piper, who stole the title and he's holding it, and Hogan's trying to get it back. Why don't you make the match for the title? It made sense. It would make sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, it should it should have been for the title. But you know, what if De Niro's right? What if Sting was supposed to come down and save Savage? You know, 
or save Piper. But I truthfully, I don't think that's the case looking back at how the show went. Because if you look at it, Hogan took DDP out, DDP stretched it out on, on or stretched it out, so he's gone. So they have yeah. nobody there to help Piper. So maybe it was just meant for the NWO to look strong to end the night. Maybe. And that fan just kind of jumped into their celebration, you know? Like maybe they're supposed to lash Piper a little bit more and ha 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 ha. And fucking yeah. off the door because that's all Hogan yeah. did at the time, you know. But, but here's the question: yeah. There's four or five stings. Why did only one go in the ring, and then it gets thrown over? Like, what was the point of just the one when the others just stood there and did nothing? And then also, you know, you had the storyline earlier in the night too of Hulk Hogan saying, "If Sting is in the building, I'm not going out there." So I thought that by doing that storyline, of yeah. course, it's building towards Sting coming out later on. Like to say that, like that makes me think that WCW really went up to the rafters and told them, like, "Hey, Hogan's not going out there if you don't leave." So Sting was like, "Okay, I'll leave." Like, shit, but I've got my paycheck, (laughs) right? But overall thoughts, Tim. Love the first three matches. Loved them. The Mongo stuff and the Disco stuff. I can't hate. Like, I didn't like it, but I can't hate because there's actual story behind it that they've been building to. So if you're telling stories, you're going to put a match on pay-per-view. Well, whether it's good or not, it's one thing, but you need to fill time. You're telling stories. So I get why you're doing it. I loved the Flair and uh, Kurt Henning stuff, and I loved the DDP Savage stuff. hated the ending, of course. And then the main event, I, you know, again, if Sting would have showed up at the end, it would have definitely, it would have made it. It would have been a lot better than it actually was because it wasn't great. For their age, I got to give them credit for climbing up and down that cage. But it was a fucking shit show because we had no idea what we were doing. Overall, I'd probably say six and a half out of ten. I'd probably go, yeah, like six and a half out of ten. Which sucks because those first three matches and DDP Savage and Henning Flair. But, like, the main event and then those match four and five definitely take it down to where you can't give it the grade that you want to give it. Nah, definitely a fair grade. Dan, what's your grade? I gave it a seven just because, like, I gave like, of course, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero like a six, a six out, six, six stars out of five. Like, I gave it an extra because it was just so good. The storytelling in that match was phenomenal. It was like it was built up over time. You got him to get that win because you you didn't want him to lose the mask. And like, it was even better now that I just watched the Rey Mysterio. Uh, documentary that they had that was very informative for me on how much it meant for them to keep the mask and how they last minute, right before they were about to go on, they changed it up and it was basically because Eddie Guerrero was like like, he was like I'll I'll give you this one, he was like, I don't care he was like, I know the importance of it he basically told Eric Bischoff I'll lose, it's fine you know, he did Ray a solid and that kind of created the friendship that they had so that was the big time matchup. And then I, of course it was like for me it was like first three were very strong. You had a couple clunkers. Then you had Hedden, uh, of course with Flair. You had of course uh, the next match, which was Luger and Scott Hall, which was okay. It was okay. You had a very strong match in DDP and of course Savage. And then you had the shit show main event, which I feel bad for Piper because Piper I thought did a great job. Uh, of course, like he still looked like he was in good shape, and he still looked like he could do it. And all Hogan was old; that's why he was part time. But like, had they explained everything more diligently, and you weren't just like so confused on what's the point of this? 
Mm-hmm. How come they're walking in and out, but then you got to climb over or you can pin? It's like it, it, that, that's what brought the match down so much. And then the shit show at the end with the stings and then the fan jumping over and then the editing. It was just like it took so much away from the match itself. Like you just didn't know what was going on. All you knew that was at the end that Piper won by technical submission. Because because he made uh, Hogan pass out, so it was just like which he did that before. So it's like you had the same ending as before. It's just in a different pay per view, and the one before was a lot better in my opinion. So it's like I gave it seven out of ten. The 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 Eddie match, Eddie Ray match, and the DDP uh, Savage match were able to kind of outweigh the the bomb of a main event. Because yeah. I think that main event like a like a one out like five. And that's that's how bad it was. Maybe a two at, at best. Now, yeah, I can't complain there. Like you're exactly right. Um something I feel like this show was missing was a tag match. Like there was no tag matches, and especially with the Steiner brothers just winning the tag titles, I feel like that could have added to the quality of the show too, because the Steiner brothers were always great and one of my favorite tag teams. So I mean, they could have instead of having even though I like Gato and Jericho, I thought that was cool. But like, I thought that when they said there was an unannounced matchup, I thought yeah. for sure we were going to get a Steiner Brothers matchup. Maybe like, I don't know, but definitely a, a good show nonetheless. Like, I, I enjoyed it, the good and the bad. Like, even the bad was sometimes like that funny type bad. So I, I enjoyed it for other reasons. But definitely a good show. And I appreciate you guys joining me to review Halloween Havoc. Yeah, it was great. And then looking at it now at World War Three, they did not have one, but two tag matches. They had a, a tag match to open with the Faces of Fear versus Glacier and Ernest Miller. And yeah. then they had the tag title match, which was the Steiners against the Blue Blood. So they had two there, but zero here. It's like, it probably, just like you said, it probably would have been better had they had a tag title match on the show. But for some reason, I guess because they had a tight title match two weeks beforehand, it was kind of hard for them, I guess, to to uh, book a storyline so short uh, right before uh, Halloween Havoc. Yeah, that's a good point, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes a lot of but, sense, for sure. Yeah. But thanks again, guys, for joining. I appreciate you. This was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. You know, you, know you guys are always welcomed whenever, like, I, don't even wait for me to hit you up. Just fucking like, hey, it's Monday. I'm coming on. All right, what, what, what do I have to watch? <laughs> just, just let hell me know. Yeah, hell yeah, but for sure. You guys are always welcome. So, um, Tim, let them know where to find the Wrestling Index and where to find you. Yeah, bro. First of all, again, thank you so much for having me on. I had a fucking blast with you, Bakley. Always, always a pleasure to talk to you. You can find me, the Wrestling Index uh, podcast, on Floor Slapper Sports YouTube, FloorSlapperSports.com, the Visionaries Global Media Network, and all major audio platforms. So definitely check out the Wrestling Index podcast. And if you like sports, fantasy football, check out Floor Sniper Sports. A lot of great content on there, including your week four waiver wire. So get out there right now and get on that shit. Definitely. Yeah, you can find Cage by IQ on Twitter at Cage IQ. You can find me on Instagram and Twitch at Cage by IQ. Of course, I'm on YouTube. That's where all my content's at. www.youtube.com slash C slash Cage my IQ, do everything MMA interviews and wrestling. Of course, just put out my fight night preview. I did a bunch of uh, individual ones, three minute long, uh, of course, breakdowns of each uh, matchup on my YouTube page to make it easier for people to just 
pick whatever uh, fight that they want to look at and to look at the breakdowns. Of course, we got Extreme Rules right around the corner in my backyard of Philadelphia. So in the next week or so, when they announce all the matchups, I'm going to do a, a prediction uh, uh, show for that. So keep a lookout for that one. Awesome. Definitely check out Cage My IQ. Check out the Wrestling Index. Once again, I appreciate you guys. Um, everybody in the chat, you guys made it a lot of fun also. All the ghosts in the chat, shout out to you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, make sure you hit that subscribe button here at the Circle Debate. We, we put out a lot of content here on Circle Debate, Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Circle Debate every Tuesday. We're bringing back the New Japan Show featuring Dan. We'll, we'll be back with that tomorrow, the New Japan Show. Uh, every Wednesday, the MMA Show. Every Thursday is the flagship show. And then we got Top 5 every Friday. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate everybody. And thank you for all the support. We're, we're past 250. We're on our road to 300. I'm excited. And yeah, once again, you know, make sure you subscribe to the Wrestling Index, Cage My IQ. Um, in the chat, make sure you subscribe to Universal Wrestling Podcast, Top Rope Wrestling Talk, all the homies. I appreciate you all. Hope you guys all have a great fucking night. Enjoy Raw. You know what I mean? I'm sure like you guys are getting spoiled. I, mm-hmm. Fucking people text me like, oh, are you watching? I'm like, no, like fucking let me do my podcast. But we'll, we'll definitely, you know, talk about Monday Night Raw on Wednesday, as well as going back in time to ECW Hardcore TV on the road to Heat Wave 98. So we have a lot of cool shit coming up. So everyone take care. Once again, TK, Dan, I appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Thank y'all. you, brother. No doubt. Thanks. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Before Sarah discovered Chumbacasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.